She came from a family of people with over-drinking issues. She learned well how to hide her own alcohol over-drinking, depression, and suicidal thoughts from everyone around her. She carried on her job and was proficient at it without those around her knowing that every night she was over-drinking and passing out on the couch. When she finally figured out how to end this nightmare, she knew she had to help others. If she could help even one person, it would be worth it. Join me today as I interview my next guest, Lee Shutsky. Welcome back to Pursuing Profit with Principles podcast. We're so glad that you've joined us today. I'm extremely excited about our guest today, Lee Schutzke, and she's going to correct me if I said that wrong. <laughs> but Lee is joining us today, and Lee is a certified life coach. She helps people who want to stop over drinking, as well as people who've stopped but are still struggling. She teaches her clients a better, sustainable way, one that doesn't rely on willpower. So excited to have you here today, Lee. Welcome to the show. Great. Thank you so much, Regina. Great to be here. Awesome. Well, I know that our folks are going to learn a lot from you today. So let's dive right in because we want to maximize every moment here. So yeah. would you take a moment, Lee, and share with us a bit about your journey, what brought you to this place and who who you're serving because you have a very definite audience that you are serving and, yeah. and why you do this. Yeah. Well, I, I myself struggled with over drinking alcohol. Um, I actually started looking for help back in the 90s um, and my parents struggled with drinking, my siblings, um, even nieces and nephews. So it's definitely been part of my story. And when I first started looking, um, I just didn't feel like the language of rehab or 12-step programs um, really was a good fit for me. I was already, you know, shaming myself and hiding, but I knew I wanted to stop, or I, at that time, I just wanted to drink less. Um, I even looked at like outpatient and inpatient rehab programs. I considered hypnosis and even that didn't work. And over the years and decades, it got progressively worse, but I did a really great job at hiding it. Uh, which is not uncommon because there's a lot of personal shame and a lot of personal self-judgment. Um, I finally did get to the point in 2018 where I stopped because I was at that point where if I didn't stop, something bad was going to happen. I mean, I was up to drinking two bottles of wine a night, um, passing out on the couch. I was still working, but again, I was hiding it. Mm -hmm. So I go home, drink every night, pass out, was depressed, suicidal. And then I would go back to work the next morning. Oh um, I used, yeah, I, I white knuckled it. I basically locked myself away for six months in the sense that I would just go to work, go home, go to work, go home. Um, and white knuckling is like driving by the store, literally grabbing the wheel. Mm -hmm. And then once I realized after, you know, took about six months for the brain fog to clear and me to feel as I was fe feeling physically better, I was like, if I can help one person with this, um, it's worth it. Uh, one of my brothers committed suicide. Um, it's, it's, mm. Again, I know families, you know, hundreds of thousands of people and families are touched by it. Yes. Uh, so I started and I, at the time in 2019, I actually came across a coaching program, but I was still working full time uh, for a W2 job. So I started coaching and practicing just peer practicing, peer coaching outside, doing a couple pro bono clients. And then I did a certification program last year and they have this stop over drinking alcohol curriculum and my approach is different in that 
I help my clients look forward. We're not relying on willpower and we're not looking at labels. And instead of looking to the past, we're looking forward and saying, what is the new story that I want to write for my life Mm -hmm. and teaching my clients the tools and the skills to do that. And then helping coach them through the questions and the challenges and hurdles that they're going to encounter along the way. Um, My focus is working with people one-on-one because it is so personal, such a personal journey. Absolutely. I I totally get that. And just one comment. I had never heard before interacting with you, the term over drinking before. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Is that kind of some new terminology that, that folks are using or is that? Can you give me it's actually something that? that this certified school that their program that they use, but I love that phraseology because it really does reflect if someone just wants to drink less or if someone wants to stop over drinking completely. Right. Um, and it's more about the action versus applying a label like a societal yeah. label, which can carry it. a lot of stigma with it. Yeah. Oh yeah. And it's, exactly. And it's looking like it's looking at why is someone grabbing that glass of wine or mm-hmm. grabbing that beer why are they numbing what's going on inside and really looking at what is the activity and what are they trying to suppress and helping them through that and helping them understand that. I, I feel like a lot of times people get stuck in the language, the, the labels and language that can come with recovery. And sometimes that can hold them back. Some mm-hmm. people have had a lot of success with it, with it and others have not. Um, I do. That's why I also help people if they're abstaining, but they're relying on willpower and they're still struggling. Like, let's say they stopped. But if they're still not getting to where they want to go in their future because they're just trying to stay away from alcohol, that's miserable, too. I've been there. <laughs> so helping them, helping them overcome that as well. So they're not relying on willpower and really looking right. at, you know, le- allowing that thinking and feeling and processing that through to get to, to start moving ahead in life. Right. And would you say that that time frame that it took you that six months you were talking about, mm-hmm. is that fairly typical or is there any such thing as typical in that situation? That was my personal journey. And the reason I realized in hindsight that it was six months was I was actually dealing with some sciatica completely unrelated. And so every morning I was stretching and I could literally feel my brain, the fog lifting and my Mm. brain, it almost seemed like it was like a muscle getting stronger. Right. The effects of decades of drinking of alcohol passing out of my system. I really had no idea how foggy my brain had gotten. Cause like I said, right. I was still high functioning in my job, yeah. still working, meeting deadlines, meeting customer needs. Um, but it, 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 like I said, it was, it was eye opening. I was like, wow. And that's when I realized I was like, I'm ready. I can help people. You know, this right. is part of my personal journey, my story. I can definitely help people cause I've been there. Right. So how do you go about finding your clients, your ideal clients? What do you, I what do, have you do been, to find clients? Yeah, I have been in different collaboration calls. Um, there's a lot of groups out there where we're trying to help cross-refer to each other. I talk with business owners and we do like business one-on-ones. Where we get to know like what's their business, what's my business. Mm-hmm. Is there If there's potential overlap, um, a lot of times there can be a lot of, like I said, a lot of hiding and shame. So people right. may not realize if someone is struggling. And so even just saying, you know, if you, if you hear someone say the words, oh, I drank a little bit more than I wanted to, you know, or, oh, I can't go by the alcohol store or go by the liquor store. Oh, I don't want to go to a winery. So even like listening for phrases, Mm -hmm. 
And it is, it's just getting out there and connecting with people and reaching them because people are going to work with someone that they, that they trust and feel comfortable with. So really, yep. The personal one-to-one connections is huge. Do you do any kind of corporate training where you go into a corporation and put on some workshops, you know, maybe not knowing, you know, if there's a, if there's a problem or who the, who has that problem, but uh, do you do anything like that? That Not at this time. Yeah. I have done corporate presentations and training mm-hmm. in the past in my different mm-hmm. professional other positions right. where I was employed. Like I said, now I'm full-time self-employed. This is my business. Um, but I have thought about, I know there are some nonprofits out there that specialize in like dealing with substances and recovery. And I've even thought of reaching out and offering like, you know, would they like, you know, gr- group coaching for some of their right. clients and help teaching them you know, tools and skills. And part of my background includes nonprofits and foundations of philanthropy. So it's like, I would totally do that, you know, for free just to come in and help right. their people and yeah. help get the word out about their program. So I have thought about that. Cause like I said, a passion of mine is, is nonprofits and foundations. So yeah. Yeah. I, I hear you there. Yeah. I can, I can see a lot of places where your services would be valuable, would be, you know, tremendously valuable. Uh, the first one that came to mind was, you know, companies that have those problems, but may not even realize mm-hmm. the situation some of their employees are in mm-hmm. and offering mm-hmm. that as a benefit to, you know, the corporate paying for that benefit of you coming in and, mm-hmm. yeah. and doing workshops. Yeah. Um, and you have a long history in the professional world. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about your background, where you come from in terms of the work that you did before you became self-employed. Yeah, I actually, um, I stu- for my undergraduate degree, I studied uh, business finance. I actually started in civil engineering and realized after a semester that wasn't a good fit. <laughs> <laughs> it's good really to realize practice. early. Yep, yep. Um, and my initial work history was as a bank examiner, so got to do financial analysis. Because part of that, that's just naturally part of who I am is I love you know doing analysis and working with numbers. And then relocated. I live now in Southern Oregon. And when I came up here, did a few jobs here and then got into a healthcare system and got into a nonprofit or the foundation part. It was a nonprofit healthcare system. So the foundation mm-hmm. portion, you know, and it's funny because the business degree that I got, we didn't even talk about foundations. I didn't even know they existed. So that was like a whole new world that opened up to me. <laughs> um, yeah. So learned that part of it, philanthropy, the nonprofit side of healthcare, um, then after a few years, transferred to a different department, their HR did, an- did analysis and human resources within there. Um, so that's definitely part of my background. I also got a master's in management. I was in managerial position, so did that while I was up here. Um, and then went back to the same healthcare system. So my most recent position was working in their software um, area, their EMR. But like I said, all this time, my drinking was getting progressively worse. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I, I started looking for help in the 90s, um, you know, would try different things. And, and like I said, I was able to function, manage life, work, do things. Um, but I definitely damaged relationships along the way. I mean, I sure. my behaviors, yeah. And it's like, that's part of the remorse I have is, you know, making bad decisions and affecting other people and hurting people close to me. So that's part of, again, where that, why, you know, there's a lot of hiding and shame and mm-hmm. self-judgment. And so I just sure. knew that this was, yeah, not a, not a good place to be in. It's incredible to think about the, the lost potential 
in, in this situation. Because as you say, you are still high functioning um, doing your job. Mm -hmm. And yet, you know, you were in a diminished capacity. Yep. Very much so. And to think about the number of folks that are in that situation and not performing to capacity, but, mm -hmm. you know, still performing well enough that it's not being caught, yeah. if you will, not being noticed, but such a, such a tremendous loss of, of potential there. Mm -hmm. Especially beyond the working world, because like in my situation, I was like, well, if I can keep it together at work, that's fine. But then I would let other areas of my life suffer, health, personal relationships, mm -hmm. friendships. So to your point, that lost potential is also making those choices of, well, where am I going to make sure I can show up and function and then let the rest of my life right. kind of, you know, not be as yeah. good. Definitely. Because you only have so much capacity. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Very much so. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so you said you've done some work with nonprofits. That's a love for you. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. Talk to us a little bit more about that, about the nonprofit work that you've done. When I first, like I said, when I first was uh, introduced to the nonprofit world, I didn't even realize it existed. I was like, oh my goodness, <laughs> we never talked to us in this business school about this. It's so many things that we don't get talked to about in business school, right? Right. right? <laughs> and so in the foundation I was in, we did um, we did the annual giving, we did major donor campaigns. Again, we were part of a healthcare system, so capital campaigns for constructing new hospitals and mm. new new um, investments in healthcare. Um, events, and then realizing the range of nonprofits and interests. So there's large, like I said, this was a large healthcare organization, but there's also the smaller nonprofits like the arts and right. welfare organizations for animals and, and nonprofits that serve families and, you know, children at risk. And it's, it's huge. It's it's incredible and it's inspiring and it's amazing to see the work that all all the organizations do and their different efforts. And so it's definitely part of my tapestry of life is how can I help nonprofits, even if it's volunteering or donating? You know, right. my first director talked about it's time, talent, or treasure. So time is volunteering, talent is, you know, giving your skills. Like if someone is a board member, treasure is donating. Right. Right. Nonprofits use and need all of those. Yeah. So, yeah. Yes, I've I've done some nonprofit work myself, and mm -hmm. um, served a couple of terms as uh, chair of the board for the Panhandle um, Workforce Development Board. That was interesting, as they work with employers and employees oh. throughout the region. Yeah. Uh, that was that was an exciting piece, and I've done some chamber work, and and mm -hmm. you know, and then of course the the volunteer piece, as you as you mentioned. Yeah, and there there's so much that is needed. Mm -hmm. And so much that we each have to offer. So what would you counsel somebody who maybe wants to go down that road and be more involved and contribute more? How would you suggest they begin that process? Any thoughts if they're on interested that? in like getting involved in a nonprofit? Right. I would recommend they first think about what they're passionate about. What are their mm -hmm. personal interests? Because like I said, there's such a range out there. Um it can even be through their church, their their spiritual organization. There's so many different opportunities. So first, what are they passionate about? And then 
you know, this was all before the pandemic. So typically it was in person, like yeah, right. going to a local nonprofit and seeing what they need. You know, some of them are like, we need volunteers, other ones to your, or right. like a bulk number of volunteers. Other ones are like, we need board members to your point. They typically have a small staff to keep their overhead low. Right. Just helping people realize that, you know, nonprofits are always looking for support. Now with the pandemic, I haven't even really seen as much of what nonprofits are doing to kind of expand their reach mm-hmm. uh, where they are, but there's, and that's the thing where talent can come in. Like if someone, let's say someone is skilled at grant writing, that is a huge thing that nonprofits try to do. And it can be tough to get approved for grants. There's definitely yeah. a skill. That's just one example. So that's where the skills can come in. It doesn't even right. have to be someone who's yeah on a board member. It could be like, Hey, I can do yeah. Free grant writing services for a nonprofit. Absolutely, I've I've been on on that end of it as well. I've I've been involved <laughs> in a couple of different programs where I helped write grants. Then you know, <laughs> I do, I do. Um, you know, there there's so many ways we can volunteer our time and our talents. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, when we lived on the Navajo Indian Reservation for seven years in Southern oh, Utah. Wow. Okay. And we wanted as a as a school district, they wanted to go on a year-round school system because there was a tremendous loss of uh, or lack of retention, let's say, of what mm-hmm. was taught in one school year to the beginning of the next school year over that summer. The okay. children weren't speaking English. They were, you know, speaking their native language during that period of time. So they, you know, they kind of lost a little ground there and then and just that retention element. And so we wanted to create a year-round program with smaller breaks throughout the year instead of three months off for the summer. Yep. It was incredible. I mean, we it was such a it was a, a great process to be involved with helping write that grant, and get all that approved. But mm-hmm. what was really exciting was the results of that. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's the thing that keeps you going, right? When you mm-hmm. get involved in these is seeing the impact that you're able to make. Because yep. what we saw was they were prior to going year round, they were spending the first half of the school year catching the kids back up to where they left off the previous mm-hmm. spring. Mm-hmm. Now they were spending just, a, you know, a short amount of time and they had them right back up to schedule again. And, and, you know, mm-hmm. it, they were, it was just incredible. The, the, because they were teaching half the school year, the whole school year in a half a year, you know, catch spend half the year, catching them up half a year, teaching them the next year, and then do that all over again. And it just yeah. leveled the playing field for them. It was, it was that's amazing. That's and great. that's always been for me, the, the, the thrill of, of doing the kind of work that you're doing is seeing that impact, seeing the results of what you do. Yeah. Well, and that's another way that people can support nonprofits. Cause when you're talking about like using that example, grants typically help a nonprofit create a new program where they're looking for certain outcomes. Um, mm-hmm. It allows nonprofits to collaborate and to get out on the front lines and be creative and be innovative and maybe collaborate with other organizations. And that's, like I said, that's another way someone can support a nonprofit is even just offering to collaborate. Yeah. Hey, can we refer to your table? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. Um, What's been in, in terms of nonprofits that you've worked, you've worked with, what's been the one that, rang your bell the most, the one that was really the most exciting thing you did in a nonprofit? The activity itself? Or the the organization either way or both? I really enjoyed 
the actual events, because that's where we got a chance to meet the individual donors face to face. Mm-hmm. Um, we were working, you know, working at the events, like greeting right. them and helping right. sit them down. But you get to know the people that are helping support the the audience that you're benefiting. And a lot of times right. at the events, they would make a point to connect here's someone that benefited from this program. So the beneficiary of the program through the nonprofit and the donor and seeing that connection, that's, that's huge. Cause that's a great opportunity to actually see, you know, a lot of times if you're working in the office, you're not necessarily seeing how the community is being impacted in a beneficial way. Right. So it's great bringing those together and events in-person events were the way to do it. And like I said, (laughs) nonprofit may be getting super creative with how they're doing that now. Yeah. Yeah, as we've all had to to do, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Creativity is the name of the game today. Mm-hmm. Um, awesome. So, um, what does what does working with you for your ideal client? What's that look like? Can you share a little bit more? We talked about that a little bit in the beginning, but. Mm-hmm. So if, if someone were to become your client today, what's that journey look like? So the journey, I always start with where are they at and where do they want to go? It's really, I try to tailor my coaching specifically to, to them and basically helping them bridge that gap. The work I do, the coaching I do is one-on-one. It's individual private coaching with them. Right. So it's typically meeting with them virtually for an hour. And I also do written coaching in between to support them. But letting the client drive, you know, helping them see what's possible, you know, what future do they want and helping them get to that point and then giving them the tools and skills to get there. Um, and I even had a client today we were talking with on a consult where she she still wants to be able to, to drink occasionally, but she still has a lot of the negative thought patterns going on with that. And so part of the skills that we would do is we would talk about you know, helping her kind of unravel those belief systems. So it's like, if she wants to have a glass of wine, that's great. And enjoying her reason for it. So again, trying to really meet them where they're at, like I said, whether they want to just less or they want to stop completely. And again, it's really about helping them realize you can create this new future. You can write Mm -hmm. your new story. And that's where, again, it's not relying on the willpower and it's looking ahead, helping them look to the future and what's possible. And they get me in their corner as a certified coach. Um, sometimes I may coach them harder than they they want to be coached, but it's because I'm fighting for their future self, that vision that they that they really want. Because, you know, again, there's going to be some hurdles and obstacles that we're going to come up against and help coach them through that. Yeah. Very good. Very yeah. good. Awesome. Well, Lee, we've come to that part of the show where I get to ask you my Favorite three questions to ask all entrepreneurs. <laughs> so let's just dive into those. Mm-hmm. Um, the first question is, what is a leadership principle that has served you well in your personal and business life? So I used to call it networking, and I've realized it's really more community building, but it's how can I connect people and resources together really for the benefit of them. They can, like I said, create that synergy. And I've just had a natural knack over the years of doing it. But like I said, it's like, I've, I've in the past just kind of like, oh, it's just networking. It's talking to people and like, oh, so-and-so mentioned this and -and so-and-so mentioned this, but really realizing 
And again, I think this comes from the foundation of the nonprofit world that we're really community building by connecting people and resources together and really being intentional about saying, so who are you looking for? Are you looking for organizations? Are you looking for individuals? And then thinking in my mind, what resources am I aware of? And then the other the other piece of it is then not just passing the information on to somebody, but actually trying to make that connection on their behalf. Yeah. Saying, hey, I talked with some person yesterday. This is what they did. They did X, Y, Z. I thought of you. Would you be open to having a conversation together and really connecting them together? And that's where that community building comes in is helping bring those two hands together. And right. if, if it's appropriate, and again, it may not be. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that, I, that is a skill I think many folks need to improve upon. It's something I work on all the time for myself and always mm-hmm. thinking about that. As you know, in our very first conversation, uh, you know, I said, oh, you you know, we need to connect you with so-and-so. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and you never know where those connections are going to go or not go. But, mm-hmm. but, but always be thinking about how can I serve better? How can I connect people with other people that can yeah. be of value to one another? Yeah. And to your point, it's not just about business, it's business and life. That's beneficial and personal as well as business. Absolutely. And where those connections are going to go. So, yeah, so true. Second question is, how has pursuing your purpose and your passion now impacted the success of your business? How is that impacting you? It's been a, it's been a process and a transformation because at first I was focused on, I want to stop over drinking and then I want to get myself healthy again. And then I realized I can share my story and help others. And what is the best way to do that? And for me, currently, like I said, it's one-on-one coaching, you know, someday it may be a bigger, like to your point, it may be a bigger audience where it's Mm -hmm. talking to an organization because getting the information out there to more people, but it's been that process of it, it can be scary. It can be, I mean, I remember feeling like I didn't even know where to look for help. Right. And so helping people realize that help is out there and I can help them because again, I can share my personal story and I've got the skills as a coach, the model, the framework, the training to do that with them together. Um, yeah, it's, it's been a process and it's growing every day in the sense of, you know, how we can better serve, thinking mm-hmm. how I can better serve my clients. So, and making it even better for them. So Excellent. The third question is, what is one profit strategy that you're using in your business? I am keeping my expenses low. Um, Again, I'm still in the early stages as an entrepreneur. And I had tried an entrepreneurship about 10 years ago on my own and didn't keep control of expenses. And it just, it got out of control. And realizing that whatever I can do at this point, especially if someone is in the early stages of their business to keep their, their expenses low. Um, when I talk with fellow, um, business, like in, in accountability groups, we'll talk about resiliency. There's time Mm -hmm. and there's money, but it's like entrepreneurs are pretty resilient. And so relying on brilliant resiliency of how am I going to figure this out? I don't want to just throw money at something. Let's be creative. Let's think about this. Yeah, let's find the yeah. answer. And so yeah. using that resiliency and keeping those expenses low in the beginning. And then that, you know, if you start that practice in the beginning, generally that's going to stay with you about, hey, can, how can I just kind of stay on top of my expenses and not let them get out of control? And that's always going to serve any business. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we need to be smart about those things because they can get out of control so quickly. And 
yeah. um, kind of goes hand in hand with that knowing your numbers and and uh, you know you you've got to have a a good grip on all of that. Yeah, and it's also having the constraint and the focus. We are constantly, you know, receiving information about resources that are out there, but they cost X, Y, Z. And having the constraint and focus to say, well, I'm this is what I'm working with. I'm going to choose ABC and stick with this. And maybe someday I'll do X, Y, Z. Yeah. But again, making that choice because we're, all, you know, constantly seeing great resources that are available. Yeah. But it can also be a hit on the bottom line, too. So absolutely. And we can get caught in that shiny object syndrome that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the next flashy thing. <laughs> and so if if we're focused more on on the numbers and mm-hmm. on our strategic goals and what it mm-hmm. takes to get there, then mm-hmm. it's easier to reject those shiny objects and stay on the course and recognize what what would be appropriate to bring into our business. So exactly. that we're making wise decisions about how we spend that money. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely times where it makes sense to invest and to grow for absolutely. sure. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So Lee, one of the things that we've talked about is the opportunity uh, for you to support our audience in some way and, and whether or not you have an offer for them. So why don't you share with us what, what you've got for them? Yeah. Um, so listen, your audience, if they know anyone who is struggling, I always start with a no obligation free consult call just to see, like I said, where someone is at, where they'd like to go talk about what we could do to help get them there. And then it's really helping them make a decision, whether it's yes or no, but even sometimes, even sometimes that is helpful for someone to talk with somebody. Mm -hmm. So that's always, like I said, those phone calls are always no, no obligation, you know, totally free those consults and people can find those on my website which you're going to have in the show notes, but it's www, my name. So Lee Shutsky.com <laughs> and okay. it'll be good. You have it in the notes. So it'll be spelled. <laughs> yeah. It'll be in the notes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome. Lee, it's been a pleasure to have you here today. I appreciate the work you're doing. Uh, there is a huge need for it. And, you know, one of the things we didn't talk much about, but that you mentioned early on was even the suicide factor that that comes into this. And we know yeah. that today, especially, there is such a an increase in suicides at all mm-hmm. levels from mm-hmm. children to teens to adults. Yep. And anything that we can do to bring that down, that's a good thing. Yeah. So um, I encourage you folks, if, if as Lee said, if you or anyone that you know have this challenge, um, then reach out and and do that that free consult with her. I'm sure it's confidential mm-hmm. uh, consultation. It'll just be you and her. Nobody else will know about it yep. unless you share it. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, there's. I'm trying to think of the word I want to use, and I want to say help. But there's there's opportunities for you to overcome this challenge and to regain the parts of of your brilliance that are being dulled with this challenge. And we've, we've heard from Lee how she, you know, how that fog enveloped her that she didn't realize how much less of herself she was using. Yeah. And, and I'm sure that's true for most everyone in this situation. So please, if you, if you know someone in need or you have that need yourself, reach out to, to Lee. We'll have her information in the show notes so that you can grab it there. And, uh, Lee, again, I just really appreciate you coming on today and you sharing all of this. 
and and helping our listeners uh, both with this challenge as well as understanding how they can run their businesses more effectively. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much, Regina. It's great being here. Really appreciate it. Great. Thanks for joining us again today, folks, and we'll see you next time. Bye for now. As you can see, all entrepreneurs experience challenges in business. It's been my experience, however, that with every challenge we solve, we create a new challenge. So let me ask, what's the biggest challenge in your business? Are you generating the profit that you desire? Do you know what systems you need in order to create more efficiency and profit in your business? Are you tired of working 60 plus hours a week and not seeing the returns or seeing your family? Are your relationships suffering because of this and the stress that you're experiencing? If this is you, I'd like to invite you to consider applying to participate in my mastermind program. This mastermind is for entrepreneurs who are already making $500,000 or more in revenue, but they're missing out on sufficient profit and time to live life on their own terms. As a result, their relationships are also suffering. They're looking for a more integrated lifestyle, knowing that work and life will never be balanced 50-50. As entrepreneurs, we know there will always be overlaps between our personal and professional lives, but we can look at it from a holistic, more well-rounded approach to work and life. So this mastermind is not for you if you're too busy or too broke to invest in leverage for your business, or if you want to figure it out on your own again, and if you're not committed to reclaiming the most important relationships in your life. It is for you, however, if you're done reinventing the wheel and doing it the hard way, you understand that speed and ease equals income, and you want to increase the speed of your income and profit. You want to add leverage into your business and be able to cultivate, strengthen, and renew great relationships in your life. If that's you, then complete my mastermind application Secure an appointment with me by making a refundable $1,000 deposit and then scheduling a call to discuss whether or not you're a good fit for this mastermind. The link is bit.ly forward slash mastermind qualifying. That's bit.ly bit.ly forward slash mastermind qualifying. This will be a no-pressure call. We simply visit to assess whether or not this mastermind is the right tool for you at this time. If it is, great, we'll get you signed up. If it's not, we'll refund your deposit and we can discuss other options if you'd like. I look forward to seeing you on the call. Have you ever gotten that perfect job that you knew you were going to be absolutely awesome at, only to find out that they wanted to change everything about you that you thought was perfect for the job? Well, my next guest has. This caused him to begin an intensive study of his field, sales, which led him to leadership roles. As a result, he successfully turned around a business that was on the verge of bankruptcy and turned it into one of the industry's top performing companies in the entire country. Join me next time as I interview Jason Tracy, founder of Roar Consulting. <laughs>